Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. GX on Agriculture with Rod McDonald. And good afternoon. It's 17 after 12 after 1 in Manitoba. So I fill in again today for Doug Falconer. Uh, Doug enjoying some vacation time here over the next couple of weeks. Ahead today on GX on Agriculture, the weekly crop report from Saskatchewan Agriculture. I spoke uh, this morning with crop extension specialist uh, Mackenzie uh, Ladoon about the crop report. We'll get the details on uh, what was happening with crop development around the province over this past week. Also coming up on the program today, over 7,000 BC port workers in the sixth day of their strike. Uh, several organizations are calling for an end to that labor dispute because of the implications it's having on the Canadian economy, included in that group, the Canadian Federation of Agriculture and Pulse Canada. We'll hear representatives from both of those organizations on the program today as well. And also Terry Lang uh, with the Environment Canada will join us on the program today to talk about uh, some some strange, strange weather over the past while. Cold, cold conditions uh, yesterday, in fact, the Broadview Mooseman area got down to an overnight low of zero. That smashed a record for a record low for July 5th, dating back, oh, what, about uh, 65 years or close to that. And uh, it, it came on the heels of what was an extremely warm June throughout the region. In fact, the mean temperature in Yorkton in June was the second warmest that we've seen in 114 years. So yes, it was a warm month in June. Those stories and a whole lot more coming up today on GX on Agriculture. We kick it off, though, with the Agriculture Weather Outlook. It's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. And Sean Prahika, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. To GX on Agriculture, I'm Rod McDonald. We have Ag Review coming up next at 1230. Talk about going from one extreme to another. A dozen new record low temperatures were recorded across Saskatchewan yesterday morning. Broadview recorded an overnight low of zero, smashing the old record low for July 5th of plus three, set back in 1960. The unseasonably cold weather came on the heels of one of the warmest Junes ever. According to Environment Canada, the mean temperature for June in Yorkton was 19.6 degrees, making it the second warmest June in 114 years. The normal mean temperature for June is 15.5. Environment and Climate Change Canada meteorologist Terry Lang 
it's the mean temperature. So everything is included, the highs and lows. So I think it's, it was a little bit of both because we did have some really warm temperatures, especially at the beginning of June, you know, into the 30s. But those overnight lows were, were pretty darn warm. So overall, it just you know brought the average way up. What do you attribute the hot conditions through June to, Terry? It's the mean temperature. So everything is included. Hard to say. We've seen sometimes these transition times between La Nina and El Nino conditions. Sometimes we can get uh, warmer springs, but it's not a slam dunk. So it's just kind of one of those luck of the draw things, I think, until somebody sort of says something different. Precipitation amounts across the province in June were extremely variable. However, overall, it was relatively dry. The Yorkton-Melville area received about 68 millimeters of rain, about 85% of the long-term average for the month. Some areas like Estevan and Swift Current received less than half of their average rainfall for the month. At the other end of the spectrum, the Prince Albert region saw close to 100 millimeters of rain for the month, or about 140% of their monthly average. If they have their druthers, farmers would like to see a nice steady rain for a couple of days to help bring the crops along. But Lang doesn't really see that happening, though. Just because the uh, what we call upper low months, which is sort of those uh, low pressure systems that come and spin around and drape moisture all over uh, parts of uh, the province or the prairies, those are usually a June, a May and June phenomena. We didn't get any in May. We you know got a couple in June, but not that many. And July and August, it's usually just the thunderstorm activity. We don't often see those big deep low pressure systems that give widespread rain. And finally, we asked Lang what's in store for this coming week. Well, we're still a little bit on the cool side right now, but in the longer term, we're looking for the heat to kind of build back uh, in. It's not all models agree on how hot it's going to get. I think we'll see some nice warm temperatures uh, this weekend and early next week. And then it looks like towards the end of next week, we might get some real heat involved. But uh, we'll keep an eye on it just because not all the models are in, in agreement with that. Environment and Climate Change Canada meteorologist Terry Lang. It's 12.30 now, 1.30 in Manitoba, and time for AgReview. It's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. DX94, AgReview. Generally good weather across Saskatchewan this past week is being credited with aiding rapid crop development. Saskatchewan Agriculture Crop Extension Specialist, Mackenzie Ladoon. Crops are quickly progressing in the province with the warm temperatures and the widespread rain that was received this past week. And the site of yellow canola and green wheat fields is now a prominent site on the beautiful landscape of Saskatchewan. Ladoon says province-wide, 60% of the canola is now in the flowering stage. And just over half or 56% of this year's flax crop is in the stem extension stage. Fall cereals are also beginning to fill across the province with 51% of this year's crop heading out and 36% at a dose stage. Spring cereals are not far behind, with 43% of the crop heading out, and pulses are the most diverse in staging across the province, with 28% in vegetative stages, 29% flowering, and 40% beginning to pod. Ladoon says haying is well underway in the province. 48% of the hay crop has been cut for the first time this year, and 23% has been baled or silaged. The quality of hay from the first cut is good to fair, 
and main producers are hoping for a good quality second cut for this year. Producers are also monitoring their pasture conditions, and 36% of pastures are rated as good, 32% are rated as fair, and 20% is rated as poor. Although rain was received in most places over the past week, much of the moisture evaporated with the warm temperatures. Cropland topsoil moisture is rated as 1% surplus, 42% adequate, 42% short, and 15% very short. Hay and pasture topsoil moisture follows a very similar pattern, with 36% adequate, 42% short, and 21% very short. Topsoil moisture levels in the southwest and the west central are the lowest for the province overall. And finally, Ladoon says there was some crop damage reported. Crop damage this past week mostly comes from scattered hailstorms, heat stress, and wind damage. Plowwinds in the north were also a concern. In addition to the environmental damage, grasshoppers and other insects and gophers are our primary concern for producers. Crop diseases are also beginning to appear after wet and humid conditions accompanied last week's heat. Mackenzie Ledoon is a crop extension specialist with Saskatchewan Agriculture. Saskatchewan producers can have at it. After July 8th, anyone can cut and bale hay along provincial roadways without permission from the nearby landowner, as long as no mowing or hay recovery is underway by the adjacent landowner or leasee. Cutting along provincial highways improves sight lines, helps control brush and noxious weeds, and provides a neat appearance. Cutting also optimizes snow storage in ditches, reducing drifting on the road in the winter. No signs the two sides in the six-day-old strike at B.C. Ports will be returning to the bargaining table. The B.C. Maritime Employers Association now says binding arbitration could swiftly end the job action by more than 7,000 workers. Talks stalled on Monday, and business groups, including many agriculture organizations, are urging Ottawa to legislate an end to the strike. But Federal Labor Minister Seamus O'Regan has so far resisted those calls. The annual meeting of the Canada-U.S.-Mexico Agreement Free Trade Commission will take place today and tomorrow in Cancun, Mexico. The trading partners will discuss issues related to the trade pact. These issues include U.S. complaints over Mexican policies to limit use of genetically modified corn imported from the U.S., and over Canada's allocation of dairy import quotas that U.S. officials have said hurt U.S. producers. The global food price crisis is far from over. That comment comes from the managing director of the World Bank. Despite lower commodity prices, more protectionism could worsen the situation for developing nations in the face of severe economic downturns. A World Bank report this week said many countries, including 17 of the G20 members, have implemented measures that restrict trade. The World Bank has warned the combined effects of the food price crisis and the financial crisis will exact a heavy toll on the poor and increase the number of hungry and malnourished in the developing world. Alberta's potato industry is thriving. The potato growers of Alberta 
released what's called a landmark study on the economic impact the industry is having in the province. The report outlines the significant growth of Alberta's potato industry in recent years and documents its economic impact. The study estimated the total economic contribution of the potato sector in Alberta at over two and three quarters of a billion dollars. And a farmer in Saskatchewan has sent what appears to be a very costly emoji. Swift current farmer Chris Archer has been ordered by a judge to pay more than $82,000 for not delivering product to a grain buyer after responding to a text message with a thumbs up image. The farmer argued that the emoji only indicated that he'd received the contract, not that he accepted the terms. In the Court of King's Bench decision, released in June, the judge points to a dictionary.com definition of the thumbs-up emoji, which says it's used to express assent, approval, or encouragement in digital communications. And that's today's AgReview. So watch your emojis and don't do the thumbs-up. Try using another finger if you're trying to convey that message. It's 12.38 now, 1.38 in Manitoba. We have the Livestock Market Report coming up next. First, though, let's check in again now with Danny Ismond. Yorkton Hyundai, that's 115 Palliser Way, and we are joined with Brenda once again. And Brenda... Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The strike of over 7,000 B.C. port workers is in its sixth day, and the list of organizations wanting it to end is growing. Todd Lewis, second vice president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, says patience in the farming community is running thin. No, I don't think there's any patience at all with this. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I think uh, farmers expect to be able to move their product, and the unions uh, certainly uh, uh, are a big part of moving our product, but at the same time, uh, we need to see them uh, on the job and, and uh, getting that product moved. And so I would say the patience uh, in the ag community, uh, <laughs> it's short and probably getting shorter as the strike goes on. So, you know, I hear from, uh, from virtually everyone involved, that, you know, in the ag community that uh, they want to see this uh, resolved and lots of concern around uh, this work stoppage. Lewis says the Port of Vancouver plays a crucial role in exporting various ag products around the world. Even things like uh, agricultural machinery parts or, you know, other other pieces of agriculture. I mean, there's lots of, uh, of things that are involved with agriculture, uh, be it even some chemicals and so on, that may ship through the port as well. So uh, it's not only grain. Uh, you know, certainly we're, gonna, we're seeing uh, it impact container traffic at the moment, which uh, a lot of our pulses move uh, by container. And, of course, with a, shut, you know, a shutdown like this, there will be a backlog in supply chain, and uh, it's going to take time to catch up. Another group concerned about the strike is Pulse Canada. Vice President of Corporate Affairs with Pulse Canada, Greg Northey, says grain has been lined up to move through the ports months in advance, but now it's all stuck. Pulse crops utilize Vancouver and Prince Rupert extensively. So from a containerized, and this is particularly for containerized grain, there's about 5 million tons each year of containerized grain that moves through those ports. About 3.5 million of that is pulse and special crops, and so it's they're extremely important. And so right now, those terminals that would usually be handling those containers of grain are shut down, and so we have no movement at all. And it's serious, right? We've had uh, that grain lined up for months to move through those ports at this time of the year, and it just can't move. And so either it's sitting at origin 
in Saskatchewan or Alberta or Manitoba or sitting at port on the dock or at a transload. And so uh, we can understand certainly that negotiations need to happen, but we're approaching the point where Canada's reputation is, is a jeopardy just by the nature, particularly of the containerized supply chains. Northy says the strike has global ramifications with ships lined up, waiting or skipping Canada altogether, slowing down the global supply chain as well as driving up inflation. And even when a deal is eventually made, Northy says clearing the backlog could take weeks. Very likely. So if you, you know, there's four four vessels can unload usually at a time in, in Vancouver. And so, if, you know, we're we're staring at eight vessels. There's about 12 vessels in total that are, have been looking to dock in, in Vancouver alone. And so, you know, as, as they keep stacking up, it takes about two days, three days to unload a vessel. And so, you know, it's just, it's going to be weeks. And so some of that stuff is perishable, there's food, there's fish, there's all kinds of things. So, you know, it's big. It's going to take a while to, to unwind uh, the impact of this. The federal labor minister is trying to get things back on track, but so far has little success in doing so. It's 12.49 now, 11 before 1, before 2 in Manitoba. We have the closing grain prices coming up next. The passage of Bill C-234 is critical to preserving the ability of Canadian farmers to compete in an international marketplace. The bill, a private member's bill that will create specific exemptions for farmers to Canada's carbon pricing scheme, has passed in the House of Commons and is now awaiting passage in the Senate. Mark Ferguson is general manager of the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board. He says Saskatchewan farmers are very supportive of the exemption. Producers in Saskatchewan are are not very supportive of the carbon tax generally. Uh, it, It adds cost to farms in terms of utilities and transportation and, you know, producers don't get any of the the rebate back uh, that that does come back to people from the carbon tax. So so it's just a measure that adds cost to farms. In terms of the the private member's bill, uh, we're very supportive of it and we're very pleased to see it pass through the the House of Commons. So the next next place this bill will be going is to the Senate. And so we'll be watching very closely to see what happens and, and we would hope all senators will uh, will support this bill. Uh, the carbon tax has a huge impact on hog producers as they use large amounts of natural gas to heat their barns. There's not a good alternative to natural gas for heating barns. It's a very clean energy source, especially compared with uh, with other things we could be using to uh, to supply heat in barns. So the impact of the carbon tax has basically been to increase our our heating costs for propane and natural gas. The the bill would exempt natural gas used as as heating fuel in hog barns. So uh, I think it's a very good change, especially considering there's no uh, viable alternative to natural gas to heat these barns. Ferguson notes the past few years have been extremely challenging for hog producers. Starting with the drought um, in, in the summer of 2021 uh, and extending through today, our feed prices have been really high. And while we've had some good hog prices throughout this time period, um, you know, that's that's kind of ended this spring as, as our futures prices declined. So right now, producers are, are losing money and uh, 
you know, inflation is affecting basically all the other costs on the farm. And a big part of that inflation is our our energy costs for electricity and for natural gas. And so having the carbon tax uh, exemption on natural gas would provide a significant benefit to farms. Right now, we've estimated that this uh, carbon tax costs producers uh, anywhere between one and and uh, three dollars per hog, and it's only going to go up. So it's becoming a very significant cost for the farms, and you know the exemption will help substantially with our cost of production. And I will add that producers in other countries, especially our main competitors, uh, such as as the U.S don't have a carbon tax, so it's making it very difficult for Canadian hog farms to compete. Mark Ferguson is the general manager of the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board. Commodities Update. Now turning to today's closing grain prices, September or let's start with uh, November canola, excuse me. Uh, it closed today at 7.62 ton a metric ton, down $1 from yesterday's close. January canola, 7.6640, down $1.50. September Minneapolis wheat, 8.58 a bushel, up a half cent. September Kansas City wheat, 8.43 and three quarters, down two and a half cents. September Chicago wheat closed today, at 6.58 a bushel, and that was down 16 and a quarter cents. September corn, 4.99 a bushel, up 13 and three quarters. August soybeans, 14.48 and a quarter, down 20 and a half cents. And September oats closed the day at 4.29 and a quarter, up 16 and a half cents. And those are today's closing grain prices. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. It's 5 to 1, 5 to 2 in Manitoba. Currently, uh, well, partly sunny, 23 degrees. We'll have the full weather details coming up here at the top of the hour. Hot and dry weather caused the condition of Canadian wheat crops to deteriorate last week. That from Michael Wilton with Mercantile Consulting Venture, as he provided this week's Sask Wheat Market Outlook. He says crop conditions in Alberta and Saskatchewan fell. Crop conditions in Alberta fell by 6% from last week to 45% good to excellent. Conditions in Saskatchewan fell from 81% good to excellent on June 12th to 70% good to excellent on June 26th. Manitoba Agriculture does not give crop ratings, but reported that, and I quote, some crops in the central region have been suffering from moisture stress, with cereals particularly hit badly, end quote. The condition of Durham wheat also deteriorated as crop conditions in Alberta fell by 16% over the past two weeks to 47% good to excellent, while here in Saskatchewan it fell to 42%. Statistics Canada raised Canadian all-wheat acreage to 26.9 million acres, up 7% from last year and the largest seeded area since 2001. 
Canadian Durham acres were down by about 28,000 to 6 million compared to last year. Regarding wheat exports, Wilton says the total for Grain Week 47 was around 359,000 tons for a year-to-date total of 17.8 million tons. The EU is considering concessions for a sanctioned Russian bank to salvage the grain deal. No new Ukrainian ships have entered the trade corridors since June 26th. In the Black Sea region, Wilton notes there was increased optimism last week that the grain export corridor in the region would be extended. Finally, as for the outlook for this coming week, it will be a short week with U.S. traders on holiday. In our view, futures still need some adjustments to line up with cash prices and North American seeded area. In our view, North American prices will not improve much until the new year unless there is a major weather event. We are 60% sold expected new crop production and would hold additional sales till for now. As of week 47, Canada has shipped 4.8 million tons of Durham. Uh, that's exactly what Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada was expecting. You can view the full report on the Sask Wheat website. And we'll close out GX on Agriculture today with our precision weather forecast. It's for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Musselman, Indian Head, Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, and Russell regions. Mainly sunny this afternoon. A 30% chance of isolated showers or thunderstorms, wind northwest 10 to 20, high 25. 20% chance of evening showers, then clearing overnight, wind northwest 10 to 15, overnight low 10. A mix of sun and cloud tomorrow, wind north-northwest 10 to 20, occasional gusts up to about 30, daytime high tomorrow near 21. Looking into Saturday, should be partly sunny, wind west 15 to 25, nice and warm, high 26. Sunday, turning cloudy, 60% chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms, daytime high near 22. Then looking ahead to the first of the work week, mainly sunny on Monday, daytime high near 20 degrees. This hour's temperature roundup finds the paw at 18, 19 for Swan River, Winyard, Wadena, and Calvington, 20 degrees in Hudson Bay. Indian Head, 21, Shoal Lake Russell, Roblin, Regina, Saskatoon, all reporting 22 degrees, Dauphin and Broadview and Mooseman at 24. Meantime, in the York and Melville region, partly sunny. The wind is northwest at about 17. Relative humidity is 40%. And our current temperature is 23 degrees. That's our time for today. Join me again tomorrow afternoon for GX on Agriculture at 1215 in Saskatchewan, 115 for our listeners in Manitoba. I'm Rod McDonald. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.